Hey there, and welcome to The Post, a Redemption Church podcast. I'm your host for today, Amy Steed. We've got a great show for you today. We'll be touching on a few different questions. What about the he gets us ad that you may or may not have heard of? We also will be talking about cannabis. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) Great lead in. (laughs) Yep. I am excited to hear where this goes. All right. Well, we have quite a few people in this room together. So why don't we start with our normal host, JP Gaylord. Hi, everybody. (laughs) We also have someone that hasn't been on here in quite some time. We don't even know if he's able to talk in a microphone, but Justin Kemmer. Guess who's back? (laughs) (laughs) Justin's back. He is. And And go Bills. It applies again. Sorry. You got to calm down about that. Not everybody's a Bills fan. It's just who I am. It is. It's true. It is your makeup. Um, Charles Kirby is back in the house. Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And Danny. Hey, friends. Yes. Go Bengals. Oh, okay. There you go. A little bit different. A little bit different. Yeah, go Bengals. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is what we're going to start with. And we have a little game we're going to play called Would You Rather, which I'm sure you, most of you have maybe heard of or played before. So JP has the questions. So let's do this. I do have the questions. And I just want to point out, this is from the definitive list, internet list Mm. of somebody who thinks they have the 150 best would you rather questions. The only thing I don't like about this is there's no winner and I like to win. So... Yeah, we we got on a trivia kick for a while, and I, I was told that. that was probably too many trivia questions. By who? Uh, well, I'll say said person is not present. Oh, boo, Steve, boo. I never <laughs> threw a name out there, but feel free to accuse whoever you want. 90s <laughs> trivia is so fun. It makes everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my word. It's great. 2000s? That's yeah, prehistory 2000s. for Danny. Yeah. Hey, I was born in the 90s, you guys. You were born Come in the on. 90s. But I know about the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All I, right. So at youth group the other night, I made a reference to the show Prison Break as yeah. an example. Yeah. And I got a bunch of blank looks. Totally. And Jeff Saunders uh, was in my group. Yeah. Uh, and he looked at me and just started laughing. He's like, dude, you are so old. <laughs> dude, you know what ages me at student ministry the most? Any reference to The Office or Parks and Rec almost no. exclusively gets blank stares by you high school students. Me. Yeah. That makes me sad. It's a millennial thing. It's a no, millennial those, thing. Those don't have the approval of the... Redemption leadership, but they oh, don't. That's right. This is a good decided yeah. show. It's yeah. not approved by Redemption Church or its leadership. Oh, he has that. <laughs> but, those, like, practically but those are pretty memorized. timeless. So they, they are. The students need to yeah probably not watch times. it, but get with the times still. Exactly. Well, I have some questions for you guys. Questions that the people are asking. Would you rather never be stuck in traffic again, or never get another cold? Who's got it? Danny. Never get another cold um, because I get lots of sinus infections and they're the worst. Mm. And because traffic, if you have the right like podcasting material slash CDs in your car, like I can think of worse things. Did you really just say CDs in your car? Yeah, because I'm old. Mm. That's I guess right. I haven't used a CD probably in a you long time. You and your office references. <laughs> yeah, just go listen to your CDs, Danny. I'm officially old. It happened. Charles? Between the two, I would say uh, getting stuck in traffic is probably the worst, especially when you're traveling on family vacations with four kids in the backseat who are asking you all these questions and have to go to the bathroom immediately. You're like, let's just get there. I'd rather have a cold. Amen. I mean, Colds, are, colds come and go. They're normal to life. Traffic is an abhorrent evil that mankind has brought upon this earth. Ah! All right. Well, there's Charles's answer. Amy, it sounds like you agree. I 100% agree, especially since we frequently, well, once a year, 
travel down to Florida for spring break and it is literally the worst mm. ever getting stuck in traffic. Mm. Side note, don't mean to take this and go down a rabbit trail, but when we were stuck in traffic once, I had planned out our entire meals to eat so we wouldn't have to stop and it was right um, in Nashville traffic, which is the worst. And couldn't find the bread. I'm like, where's the bread? I had bread to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Completely gone. Where'd it go? We get home, we look in the back seat and there's an empty bread bag. So I said, Harrison, where'd all the bread go? Oh, I ate it. He ate an entire <laughs> loaf of bread, mind That's you. That's awesome. An entire loaf. No hungry. big deal. Fun wow. fact when we were, so just think about our trips. All right. When you're stuck in traffic. That wasn't a good, that wasn't a good moment. Yeah. That was not a good mom moment. Okay. Mm. Traffic, that's the worst. All right. I'd rather have a cold. Justin? I would rather not get stuck in traffic. I, I, I only average about uh, three-fourths a cold a year, so I don't get too many. What? Um, it, you, it was inappropriate for two years, but I used to always say viruses come to me to die. Even though I'm not the picture of health, I, th I think my body can fight off viruses. You know, couldn't say that in 2020 and 2021 and part of 2022. But I think I can say that again mm -hmm. without jinxing myself. All right. Well, knock on wood. JP, what's your answer? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you, Danny. I, I don't mind traffic because yeah. I've usually got something good to, to listen to. So I would just go with no more colds. Like a CD. Yeah, definitely yeah. listening okay. to CDs. I actually have a record player in my car, so. Oh, that's cool. That's so hip of you. Yeah. Or vintage of you. Yes. So vintage. That's a good word instead of just saying old. Vintage. Mm -hmm. Vintage. Uh, next question. Would you rather have super sensitive taste buds or super sensitive hearing? Mm. Charles is not a fan of this question. Hmm. Super sensitive taste buds or super sensitive hearing? Super sensitive taste buds because hearing, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to hear everything. I don't like that. I want to hear people breathing really loudly or chewing loudly. Mm -hmm. That already annoys me with my normal hearing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I took thirty seconds to think about this one, and I was like, no, yeah, I'm with you. I hear people chewing, and I'm like, I cannot be in the same room. So I, I'm going to go with taste buds. Taste yeah. buds. Yeah, taste buds. I'm going to go with super sensitive hearing over taste buds uh, because you could always put earplugs in and then you actually get normal hearing. And then uh, I'm cheating the system. Your taste buds, if you eat something that's horrendous and you have super sensitive taste buds, that just seems appalling to me. It would be like immediate yeah. vomit. Like if you taste something, you're like, ugh. Because you're super sensitive taste buds. Like, what? Well, you would never eat Sour Patch Kids again. You can't. Because mm. you're Not super sensitive. Super strong. That means you taste something hot, you're that's just going to be like, ah! you're going to be screaming. All that's the second time I screamed in this microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super sensitive taste buds just means more umami in your life. Yes. Oh. Listen, yeah. this is also coming from the man who can't get any spice Salt, on fat, any heat. of his. Come uh, on. <laughs> any of his Bangkok tastes. <laughs> All right, here's a fun one in honor of Pastor Steve. Would you rather walk barefoot in a public restroom or get poisoned? <laughs> How? Like, what do you mean poison? Like, yeah, you die? Yeah. Or, What's like, you the just, ramifications like... of the poison? Well, the question actually comes with emojis. Uh, and so walking barefoot in a public restroom comes with the green I'm about to puke face. Yep. And getting poison comes with the puking face, not the death face. So we'll just say you get really sick. I'd be okay with walking in a public restroom barefoot. I question our friendship. Yeah. I mean, it has to happen sometimes. I can think of a scenario. Actually, we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> I'm just saying it happens sometimes. It doesn't happen often. All it's right. necessary every once in a while. Okay. Doesn't, anyway. I'm, I'm curious, but yeah, maybe not on with the tape rolling. <laughs> Amy? I would say the same. I, because I, I'll just bring a... Clorox wipe or something to clean my foot right after. Whoop-de-doo. I hate puking. Puking's the worst. Who wants to do that? Get poisoned and throw up? Ugh. Justin. I would walk barefoot. Peace, sterile, right? Yep. It, something like that. Yeah. 
Did you not hear my, I was telling Charles my would you rather. What was your would you rather? Well, it had to do with public restrooms. Would you rather lick the floor of a public restroom? Too far. We were were sticking with with I had to do this. Or lick the bottom of a stranger's foot. Mm. Well, Mm. hang on. I, I wish that you who are listening could see the faces of the guys right now. Mm. There's just stunned silence. <laughs> I just had Amy. I just have more questions. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Who I said need, this? I need clarity on this. Would you there rather? There was. This was in a book, you guys. What book? It was. It was a would you rather book. It was oh, like a so disgusting, yeah. blah blah blah. Would you rather? And it was all gross things like that. Oh. <laughs> and and what there's was still your answer? silence. What was your answer? Um. I, I really don't even remember. We were all just so disgusted by it. I don't remember. Well, what is your answer right now? Ooh. Oh, both are so horrible. I guess I would pick the corner of a public restroom. Oh, no, I don't know. Oh. Both of them are horrible. The bottom of a, a stranger's foot, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the correct. I think <laughs> I would rather walk barefoot in a public restroom and... Get poisoned. <laughs> so, uh, well, let's let's end this I'm on sorry. a happy I'm sorry. note. Thanks <laughs> didn't for didn't mean to derail it. Thanks for taking us there, Amy. Uh, would you rather travel the world for one year, all expenses paid, or receive forty thousand dollars for whatever you want? Travel, travel. Okay, I would definitely travel the world. That's yeah. Because I think that would cost a lot, and the experience itself would be worth it to me. Mm-hmm. Can we take our families, or is it like by yourself? Like I'd, I, I would mean, want to do it with my family. Is what I'm saying, not by myself. Oh, that's great. I would want to take my children. Would you rather? You. Mm-hmm. Would you? Well, in English, you is not differentiated between singular and plural. Mm-hmm. So, would you all rather? <laughs> yeah, if we were in Texas, this would be much clearer. Definitely travel. Travel? Yeah. I would travel, yeah. Yeah. Hands yeah, Although, you could do some cool stuff with $40,000. Yeah. How often do you get $40,000 or it's just you get $40,000? You just get $40,000. That's dumb. No, definitely travel. Yeah, you could get like a car. I mean, traveling all around the world. Be like, yeah, all expenses paid, yeah, 20 times that amount, maybe, yeah. And the food you'd be able to eat with my super sensitive taste buds, <laughs> mm, yeah. Just think yep. about the, the bathroom floors, oh, awesome. Well, that's our game for today. We are moving on to a new segment called Shout Out. Whoop, Is that whoop. what we called it last week? Yeah, I okay. think so. Look sure. at it. We're like, yeah. Shout out. Sure. So Amy gets to do, do. our shout out this week. I do. Jess Schuler, while you're cleaning the offices of your husband's work. Go Jess. Jess Schuler, if you're listening, we hope you enjoy this segment. Boom. And be sure to ask her what God's been teaching her. Mm. Oh. Yes. That was from last week. It was. I was amazing. confused. Or are you going to ask her if she would rather lick a bathroom for, floor or, or a stranger's, a stranger's foot? foot. Whichever, choose whichever question you feel like will be more spiritually edifying. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, today we are getting into some listener questions. Uh, and the first one is simply, what do you think about the He Gets Us ad campaign? So for those who don't know, I think it was primarily during football games this past NFL season, there was an ad campaign that ran uh, called He Gets Us, and it just talked about how Jesus was very similar to us and he understands us. It ends with He Gets Us. Uh, Does it say like he's Jesus or something like that maybe at the end? Uh, but just kind of vague, nebulous, there's a hegetsus.com, I think is the web address on it. And so a, it's really mysterious. Uh, a lot of people are kind of on both sides of the fence. What do we think uh, of the He Gets Us ad campaign? You have to tell the listeners, because I'm sure they haven't heard about this. Like, can you give us, like, what is it? What is this campaign you speak of? Um, Danny pulled up yeah. the website. Yeah, go ahead and read I'll their just about read, page. Like, I don't know if this is like their whatever foundational statement, but it says, He Gets Us is a movement to re- reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible and his confounding love and forgiveness. 
We believe his words, example, and life have relevance in our lives today and offer hope for a better future. All right, there's the simple two-sentence explanation. It seems like it would mesh with evangelicalism, but I think people are unsettled or uncomfortable with the mystery of who's really behind this and what's their agenda. I think the the hard part is that this is highlighting an aspect of Jesus and making that the totality of everything that is true about Jesus. So if you, the the interesting thing is that there's like a reading plan, which sadly has a Bible verse thrown in at the end. So it's not actually a Bible reading plan. It's kind of like an ideological reading plan based on what they want you to see about Jesus which I would say, I would just recommend read through a gospel and get the multifaceted approach of Jesus. So one of the things here is that Jesus loved and did not hate his enemies. Well, Jesus was very, very opposed. It, it, we can't necessarily use the word hate because I think um, it is true that grace and truth were presented through Jesus. So let's emphasize more of the truth of Jesus, but read Matthew 23 and the woes to the Pharisees and him calling them a brood of vipers, hypocrites, and basically saying that you are condemning yourself to hell in their unrepentant state. And then say, no, he's just a God of love. That's, it, again, you're overemphasizing an aspect of Jesus that you believe the world needs to have in order to be whatever it is they think you need to be. They think that we need to be more charitable to people with differences than us. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. We need to be more charitable as believers and not drawn into the cultural norm of such ideological divisiveness in our profoundly non-biblically held beliefs. And I say that purposefully because some of the things that are dividing us are more political, more socioeconomical things of uh, just opinions, not necessarily biblical clarity. That's a problem. But that's also normal in human society. That is normal. The answer of basically saying, look at Jesus, he gets us, I think minimizes the actual purpose of what Jesus came to do in remaking us. And I don't, I, I have not read it in the website, but I would challenge more people. And again, as time comes out, the website might talk more about the need for redemption, the need for salvation and transformation through Jesus Christ. But just up front, just saying he gets us, it's more about the fact of God became human, lived our life, understood the different things that we went through, and therefore he, he gets us, which is true. But it's not the full picture because he's not just human. He is also divine Lord and has the right to dictate to us what must happen to us, like right. Nicodemus. But to push back a little because it's a podcast, no, we ahead. like to do that. Um, I would argue that anytime we, we try and share the gospel, that at least uh, in a first attempt or in the beginning of the conversation, the goal is, yes, to present truth, but also to establish rapport and build connections with the person. And I don't know that he gets us as necessarily claiming like, hey, this is the entirety of the gospel, uh, but maybe consider it like a pre-evangelism campaign because that's kind of how it's being branded and marketed is, hey, if you hadn't thought that God was for you uh, or for you in the sense of like he likes you, but, you know, like rock music isn't for me or, you know, Fresca isn't for me. Uh, if you just thought that maybe God wasn't for you, you know, he's for other people. Uh, maybe this is a way of kind of bridging that gap and saying, actually, he understands a lot more what you're going through. Um thoughts i think it actually started at the end of 2021 so it's been around for probably a year maybe a year and a half and i mean so one aspect that rubs people the wrong way is the anonymous anonym, 
Jeez, I'm not going to be able to say this. Anonymity uh, of who's actually putting this on and wondering if there's an agenda. But you're right, Charles. I think there is also kind of a theological uh, bristling at some of the stuff that's happening. Um, it does at times feel very liberal and social justice oriented. Uh, there, the most recent one that I've heard people go off on is it's uh, Jesus. The, the commercial ends with Jesus disagreed with family, but he never disowned them, which you can push back on. And I think it's probably in gray area. Maybe you think it's different. Uh, but the time when Jesus's mother and brothers thought he was out of his mind, they went to go take charge of him. Uh, and the crowd around Jesus says, hey, your mother and brothers are here. And he responds, well, who are my mother and brothers? Is it not him who does the will of God? Which is not a clear like, hey, I disown them statement, but it could be implied that he is disowning them. So I think some people push back on the theology of it, saying what you're presenting isn't necessarily biblically accurate. I think the purpose though, again, this is the hard thing, is that if you read from He Gets Us, it talks about the question, how did this man, Jesus's story of love, become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? That's like one of the main questions they ask. And then the second question is very similar. How might we all rediscover the promise of the love his story represents? That's excellent. Like it's a great question to wrestle through. Again, the issue is going to be, what does that love bring about in the life of a person? If it is simply, I love you as you are, that is a part of the truth. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, he loved us, even when we were enemies of God. The issue is, he does not keep us enemies of God, so we cannot remain in the situation or the circumstance or the practice of sin that keeps us as enemies. He makes us his own and transforms us. So again, the question and the proof will be, what is the end goal of this? I agree. It is a great use of a pre-evangelism, but I, I don't know how this is being helpful necessarily to the church or if it will be. I, it will, again, time will tell, but is this going to be used in something helpful or is it actually going to paint a picture of Christ that is problematic? Because we don't need Jesus simply being our buddy who gets us. We do have some, some mandates of scripture as believers that God is calling us to be. And so I think it is a good rebuke for God's people and asking the same questions. Why is Jesus seen as someone who is... Uh, associated with hatred and oppression within church history. I don't think you can ask this question though in other countries that are being persecuted for their faith. You, this, does, this won't even make sense in those countries. This would only make sense within North America, within our, I would say false piety and our lofty thoughts of ourselves where we're not being persecuted. Mm. I think three aspects that have just kind of caught, caught me in this conversation, three words were vague, incomplete, and endgame. And so I think, you know, certainly can something good come out of He Gets Us? Yes, you've talked about, the, you know, pre-evangelistic method to ask questions, to maybe even captivate an audience, um, to really allow someone who hears or sees this marketing campaign to want to know more about Jesus. Because um, there's certainly something incomplete. I mean, I think of my Super Bowl experience. I think I caught two of the commercials. And one, the, the basic message was, God doesn't want you to act like an adult. They highlighted the aspect of having faith like a child, yeah. which absolutely is in scripture. The, the, the strength that is, you, you think of just physically speaking, a, a weaker vessel that is a child, but the picture of the strength of that childlike faith. And so there's aspects of that, but what about moving from the, the milk of God's word to the, the meat and what that looks like in the Christian life? I think theologically it's like, wait, what is this end game going to be? How are you going to complete this thought? And where are you going to take people in this conversation about Jesus? Uh, because the second ad in the Super Bowl was 
a lot of images of the tensions of today, uh, whether it's racial tensions, whether it's wars, uh, and just kind of some of the social aspects and, and really fights that are going on within our society. And in the end, the message was Jesus loved those who you hate, which again, I, I agree, but, but how did he love them? He loved them so much to to die for their sins, to bring them salvation because they have a dire need. And so do we need to be vague and abstract about Jesus? N- no, that, that can't be our end game. And so certainly there has to be a missional aspect of he gets us that takes somebody clearly to their need of Jesus for salvation from, from sin and, and death. And do these ad campaigns take you there? No, not, not fully. Um, but I, but I think it, it's a tool that, that can be used. I think some people certainly, the, the, whether you talk, you started this about the source of, of who's behind this and, and certainly there's more to be learned, but I know even one of the questions was this campaign is fully supposed to spend like $1 billion. Yeah. There's a lot of money going that, into that's, this. That's a lot of money. And so there could be aspects that deserves questions when, mm-hmm. when it comes to $1 billion. And wait a second, could more money be used or could that money be best used elsewhere to, to spread the gospel? And so certainly there's a vagueness that you want clarity of and he gets us, there's an incomplete an incompleteness in some of their, their messaging that there has to be an end game that takes them to the clear picture of Jesus that's found in his word. All right, Danny, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would just say, you know, we've covered a lot of ground here. I would just say, like, really one positive thing and one negative about the ad campaign. I'm kind of on board with what everybody else has said. But uh, one positive thing is I think that, um, you know, just from watching them with my wife kind of on the couch as they've come up, one thing that has struck me is I think the church has really struggled, at least the church that I've been a part of in my own teaching, struggled to really make Jesus the human being um, really shine through more so than, um, or, or I, I would just say, I think it's easier sometimes to speak on bigger theological ideas and, you know, the, the gospel message that, um, that he, his life, death and resurrection, resurrection offers new life to us. I think those are things that we focus on and we should, but oftentimes we overlook the reality that he was a human being that suffered and that that did experience all of the things that we we do in, in this life. So I say on a positive note, great, you know, and I, I know the language is soft. Um, I'm with you guys. I would rather, if we're going to spend a billion dollars on something, be a little bit more direct and to the point and um, maybe a little more broad. But I do think that is... Um, I've, I've applauded it, honestly, um, from that angle. Um, a negative um, is just what these guys are saying, um, that, man, if, if we're going to get something front and center, like Super Bowl Sunday, this was a, a commercial that I saw. How many people are watching TV? Man, if we're going to spend that much money, I would just love to see um, clearly the, the need for a Savior that Jesus obviously, clearly, explicitly is and shows himself to be in scripture. So yeah, Yeah. one positive, one negative. I I would jump on that too, just and applaud that aspect of things like this, or my mind goes to the the chosen that's popular as well. And certainly that's an artistic expression. There's extra biblical aspects of that are put in the chosen artistically. But actually what I love about that and what I would resonate with, with the, he gets us is the elevation of Jesus humanity without um, minimizing his, his deity. And so I think that's some of the aspects where it's like, even in my walk with the Lord reading scripture, it's like, oh, Jesus was able to get through that or do that because he's God. Totally minimizing the fact that he is fully human. And so even when I first heard he gets us, my mind goes to the, yeah, he was tempted in every way that we are or and have been. And so that is where he gets us. He gets the frailty and the weakness of humanity when it comes to the flesh and this shell that we, that our souls and minds live in. And so I, I love that too. And, and love the aspects where you get a clear picture and even visually speaking from things like the chosen, where it's like, yes, he was fully human, fully God, but also fully human. And I think that that is comforting. That is a, at times where we can say, yeah, he, he does get us in those ways. Yeah. I think where I end up coming down is I, I see what you guys are saying with wanting that gospel clarity and really 
longing for it because we see maybe a bigger picture than what is being presented. Uh, at the same time, having worked in France and just being amazed at the ignorance of spiritual things and specifically the content of the gospel, uh, I think we ended up spending a lot more time trying to lay basic groundwork and foundations for things that seemed absolutely elementary. Um, without even being able to get to, you know, who Jesus was or, you know, the fact that he died on a cross, uh, you know, but we were always building towards that. And in that sense, I can see that he gets us thing as being a very useful tool in a country that is, yeah, I keep hearing people say the U.S. is like 30 years behind Europe in terms of their post-Christianity, um, to continue to try and lay groundwork for commonality and saying, hey, think about, you know, reevaluate who you conceive Jesus to be, who you conceive God to be, uh, because I think those are bridges that just aren't necessarily there. So in that sense, as a tool, and, you know, the, the billion dollars is admittedly a lot of money, but if that's what it takes to help begin to build bridges uh, so that the gospel can be more readily shared, then yeah, uh, I'm all for it. I don't know that that is what it takes. Uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, but if we look at it as an isolated tool that churches can use, uh, or even just to kind of cast out there into, uh, you know, an unchurched population, uh, then I think it could potentially be effective, but it obviously is not an all in one tool. So that's where I land. Uh, I don't know that you, if our listeners have gotten like a solid answer from us, like Redemption Church stands behind the uh, He Gets Us campaign or not. I don't know if you would even ever be able to get a solid answer like that out of us, but definitely some pros to it, definitely some cons to it. Uh, yeah, I think I would like to have a longer discussion with the creators of it and kind of understand more of what they're thinking uh, and what they're going for. But Let's move on to the next question, which is a doozy. Uh, is it okay for a Christian to consume cannabis? Did we want to just go back and talk about he gets us a little, <laughs> a little more? What are your thoughts? Man. So I think it was intentionally phrased as consuming cannabis because you can obviously smoke marijuana to consume cannabis. You can also eat gummies to consume cannabis, some certain kinds of gummies, not all gummies, just to be clear, to consume cannabis. Whereas some people might lean into the smoking is bad for your health, so you shouldn't do it. So, so here's the problem. Biblically, um, the Bible does, I would say, give general principles of consuming things. Um, and I would turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, where there are these people who are going to abandon the faith and follow deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And these people are going to, it says in verse three, uh, they'll prohibit marriage and require abstinence from certain foods that God has created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, you could argue that's in the context of food sacrifice to idols. Uh, but he then goes on and says in verse four, every creation of God is good. And nothing that is received with thanksgiving should be rejected because it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, you could, again, if that's only in the context of food, you could say that that goes along with what um, Jesus said to Peter, kill and eat, declaring all foods clean. Like we see this progression. But he says every creation of God is good. So some would argue that I mean, cannabis is a creation of God. He didn't, like, we didn't make it, it was here. And so the question would be, if it's here and created by God and claimed to be good, could there not then be good uses for God's good creation? And so really that's where you're getting into it, is what is this use for? What is the... Um, yes or no in terms of overstepping bounds because the same Bible that says that also says that everything is permissible but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible but not everything is or not everything is going to benefit you. 
And so, so there's, there's a problem. Like it's not everything is beneficial. So, so what then would be the supposed benefit and detriment of having cannabis? And I think those are really where some of the studies are becoming more readily available. And so I don't think we could just run into it and say, well, it's created by God, therefore it's good. Therefore we can have it. There's also wisdom. And so that's really where I think the discussion needs to, to be. But biblically, you can make an argument, I'd say, either way. So when you, when you punt to wisdom, which I think is totally fair, because I think the Bible in certain cases does make things a yes or no, right or wrong thing. But like you said, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So you need to look at it in terms of whether or not this is going to promote the growth of God's kingdom in my life and around me. Uh, how would you begin to evaluate that question or that scale uh, when it comes to consumption of cannabis? So let, let's just be honest with anything that is a substance, right? Too much of something is going to be wrong. Yep. Always too much is wrong. Um, I would liken it unto that which would be, um, and, and again, this is going to be difficult because there's the recreational use, which I don't think is relegated by any sort of medicinal benefit, but then there's also medicinal marijuana. And so you've got, again, th th these are difficult things because one is your regulation of it yourself. And then others is other people trying to help you and using it for um, benefit in pain and different things like that, okay? So I would say in terms of recreational use, there needs to be massive amounts of accountability within that context. Because we know that there are dangers associated with it, mind-altering realities, different things, even uh, brain limitations, mental impairments, all these different things are going to be things that we know. So to act as if that's not going to happen to you, is that's folly. That's moving to folly. Wisdom would say that you need some serious accountability of people, whether that's a spouse, um, friends who are in Christ. Again, I would say more believers. But you also have to understand, okay, let's, let's think through this small and what is the reason why you want it? Mm -hmm. Are you seeking an escape from something? Are you actually needing it for benefit to your body? Like what, what is it? Ultimately, is that reason before the Lord Jesus a reason that is seeking to honor him or is it seeking to simply help your own palate of desire like that that's a question uh, yeah, so is this is this any different uh give me the 15 second answer is this any different than the same kind of rubric or thought process you would run through for alcohol uh, i would say alcohol i would say anything even with entertainment i would say with sugar caffeine you you name it i mean any substance anything that we participate in that's somewhat neutral is going to have to be seen as, is this the motivation of my heart before the Lord for his glory, for his honor, or simply because potentially there's actually an addiction there or something more that I want. And that, that's where my mind went, is the, the parallel to the imperative, do not be drunk with wine. It calls it debauchery there, which talks about the excessiveness and that being un, unwise to begin with, but what is the contrast to not being drunk and that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I think when you come to this aspect of cannabis, both recreational and medicinal, the, the aspect is even talking about recreational right now. And the reason that that's where I had the same answer. Whereas usually if it's wine or if it's cannabis, you're looking for some sort of escape. You're looking for some sort of emptiness. Uh, you're looking for something else really to take control. But the whole aspect of the when God's word says, do not be drunk with wine, there's a, almost this putting off, putting on or emptying, but there is this filling. Whereas I think when you are seeking something to be for an escape, you're just looking for a complete emptying. I think you can, I think that's evident in the world of those who might use cannabis for recreational activities is just to be mindless. But that's actually opposite and the whole purpose of even part in part the imperative do not be drunk with wine because you're supposed to be filled by the Holy Spirit. That filling leads to a controlling. And so there's aspects recreationally with cannabis that you lead to actually not having control. You lead to your mind, your body being completely 
emptying this escape where the complete opposite is what is wise and right in scripture being filled by the Holy Spirit, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. So you have this escape, you have this control. There may be some that are using it for medicinal purposes where there is, there is a healing purpose to it. And I think those aspects can, can be wise with, with the right people leading the way with you, medically speaking. So then it, for you is the distinction, uh, uh, for example, if you take alcohol, alcohol is okay as long as you're not abusing it and as long as you're not getting drunk. Uh, alcohol in moderation is okay. In theory, cannabis in moderation is okay. Uh, but then the question is, is that even a possibility? Because once you consume cannabis, you immediately go to a state of or some degree of lost control. That that would be my question. Certainly I would need somebody to explain that a little better to me. You know, I'm not not w- totally up to date on my my hemp and cannabis <laughs> talk and what the realities of that are, but that mm. that's the aspect. There is a picture where alcohol wine could be consumed and there's no controlling aspect done. Mm-hmm. No controlling aspect to it. It's done in moderation. It it's doesn't inhibit you at all, but is that possible with, with cannabis? Yeah. And from the research that I've done, not that I'm the expert by any means, uh, it would seem that there are all kinds of different points of view. So I don't know if science or medicine has conclusively made a, a diagnosis on that. Yeah. I would just say like, um, and you guys have touched on this, there is a clear line that we can follow in scripture, a a line in the sand when it comes to alcohol, that alcohol consumption is not prohibited, but the moment it comes, becomes drunkenness, that is sin. And that's clearly, um, walking in disobedience. That same line isn't drawn in the, in the scriptures because it doesn't it doesn't mention marijuana as all use at all. Um, I, I thought this was helpful. This is a, a article from Desiring God on this topic, and this is a guy who actually I don't know his story. I just kind of pulled it up, um, but that he before coming to Jesus um, was a recreational marijuana user um, for years. It sounds like through his teenage years into early college, and he says that um, I believe both from research and experience that recreational cannabis distorts reality and numbs people to the ability to experience life as it truly is. And he kind of keeps on going and talks about even those who would claim that regular use would maybe um, uh, give a, a slightly less altered state or lead you to a less altered state than what somebody who doesn't use it very often would experience. He says, uh, again, there's a reason that marijuana has long been associated with the couch, a bag of chips, and a television remote. Put another way, marijuana has never been associated with engaged, engaged parenting. Regular marijuana use causes disengagement, doling individuals into a long-term, slow, and subtle numbness. And I would just say that right there, anything that's leading you to that, that could be, man, that could be your diet. That could be lack of taking care of your physical body. That could you be you binge watching the office to go back to our, you know, full circle from before. That There's things in your, your life that could become obstacles, not just of your success from an American standpoint, but from you actually becoming a person of love that would, that would follow in the image of Jesus. And if there's anything in your life that caused you to do that, it needs to be cut out in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say that the difference. So we're trying to make a correlation, I think, between drinking wine and smoking pot, which let's just be honest. Those are two totally different things because like having wine actually complements food. It is something that has been done. It's, it's actually Paul tells Timothy to have a little wine for your stomach. So there, there's some benefit, but it is, it is not the same as cannabis, marijuana. That actually is pretty much only used. And I think Danny's right. If you think of the association of the two, one is seen almost predominantly as that which would lead to someone getting stoned or getting high. That it seems to be the predominant thing. When you're drinking wine, now, now I would argue beer perhaps has more of a correlation with drunkenness than wine does. 
So, so there's a difference there that we'd have to talk. So I would put it more in the consumption of beer that most people drinking beer are probably going to just think I'm going to get drunk. You don't really do that with wine. Wine complements food. But that's, that's where you, you run into this difficulty of, again, coming down to this thing of, as Danny said, the, the aspect of what you're doing with this is known to actually cause you to lose a grip on the very thing that Christ has come to give you which is a true sense of the reality of life and what it is to live. So if you're, you're consuming something that is going to take that away from you, it seems to go contrary ultimately. Now, I'm not saying that everybody does it that way because I still believe that there's a medicinal, but recreational, I would say that's where some of the danger is going to be more relevant in society. And I think the detriment to especially younger people who have a lot of inhibition is going to draw more of a detriment there yeah. than anywhere else. So uh, this is interesting. Again, I don't know that we're going to necessarily get a hard and fast like, yes, this is okay or no, this is not okay answer. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Uh what I love about the question and the discussion is we are punting from the categories of right and wrong into the categories of wise or foolish, which I think is where most of life is lived. Uh, and yet for whatever reason, I know myself uh, as well as a lot of Christians are tempted to just look back to right or just tell me right or wrong. Just tell me yes or no. I don't want to have to think more than that. I don't want to have to really evaluate it. Just yes or no. Um, and it's never a question. Well, there, sure, there are some categories that are some questions that are yes or no, but all of life should be a wise or foolish. Let me talk this over with God. Let it be a longer discussion. And let me, let me allow the Holy Spirit to kind of reveal the motivations of my heart. And that's where I think, Danny, you were the one kind of talking about it, where you broadened it out. Uh, I think all three of you did. This isn't just a marijuana question. This isn't just a cons consumption of cannabis question. This is a Netflix question. This is an alcohol question. This, this is a video is a, game question. Yeah. And when you start putting everything into that rubric or that, that uh, filtering process of, is this glorifying God? Is this rightly enjoying the blessings that God has given to humanity? Or am I somehow using this as an escape? Am I somehow using this to find my identity? All of a sudden, this is not a good thing. This is now... Uh, I don't know if you put it into the category of sinful, but you at least non-beneficial pushing into with habitual, you know, abuse or use of it, video games, Netflix, whatever, yeah. idolatry. Uh, and I just, I love the fact that now all of life kind of becomes debatable in that sense. You need to think through every portion of your life and start saying, is this good? And is this wise? Dude, I know because I, I can picture my kids in front of the TV and myself too. If you took a picture of people watching like Netflix, they look stoned. Like, let's just be honest. They look like they're high because they're, I mean, their eyes are watering because they don't blink. I mean, it's like, it's, you're escaping. You're, you're not taking a substance, but you're receiving a substance of someone else's creation that does not necessarily lead you at all. But of course, oh, that's stepping on some toes because, uh, of course, all things are to be brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ in our mind. So if it can't be, uh, and those are discussions I have with my son. He's re He was reading just yesterday the Rick Rord. I don't even know how to say the guy's last name. Rick the, Riordan? Yeah, that, the, yeah, the things of like the... Percy Jackson. Yeah, the heroes of Olympus, right? Yeah. And he said to me, he said, Dad... In this book, there's some guys that like other guys in this book. And I said, really? I said, what do you think of that? And he said, I don't know. I said, does it make you feel comfortable? He says, no. I said, I'm going to ask you as your father to just exercise wisdom and maybe put that away. And he gave it to me. Then I, then I had a conversation with him like, do you see the benefit of some of the things that you've read or no? Because now he's, again, wisdom is going to evaluate the things that you have the freedom to do. Like it's not wrong for him to read fiction. If that was true, then Lord of the Rings is out and you go, oh, that's, it's fiction. It's fantasy fiction. 
some of these things are stories, but the question I had to ask him is, did you receive an understanding of things that are true from this, yes or no? And how did this change? Or what was the detriment of this? Again, he's going to make his own decisions in the future. I'm not going to dictate to him what he's necessarily going to do. But as a father, I'm going to ask him, I'm asking you as your father to put this away for this time. Yeah. And he did. And so I think of that in terms of anything that we do. That's why I say accountability is very important. If you don't have loving brothers and sisters in your life who could look at you and say, hey man, your focus is really on having cannabis or Netflix or whatever it is that you are, you're, you're making that far more important to you than it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess where we come down, it sounds like if you are at home right now or in the car, wherever you are listening to this podcast, and you're wondering, should I consume cannabis? Is it okay to consume cannabis? It sounds like our answer is, uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I think it sounds like our encouragement would be, think about it, pray about it, and make a decision in community. Uh, because community is there to, to help you evaluate uh, your heart and your motives, maybe even better than you yourself can. So, uh, and... Pastor Justin would love to talk to you about it. So uh, just send us an email. <laughs> yes. and, uh, it's, uh, uh, Justin at redemptionmi.org. I'm going to answer your question with a question. How, how can you? Right. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a hard answer, but in a way, okay. what we're doing is answering the question with a question is, can, can you, without actually escaping instead of being filled or pursuing the Holy Spirit and all those things. And oh, is this my like 10th grade English teacher's thing when I was like, can I go to the bathroom? And she said, can I you? don't know. Can, can you? you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. How can I'm going to go with how can you not okay. just can you, okay. not the physical ability. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we're going to have to cut the discussion off there. Uh, we do have another question to get to maybe next time. Uh, but until next time, we want to thank you for joining us here at The Post. If you haven't already, we'd encourage you to click follow, subscribe, or like on your podcasting app to make sure you get notified when we release an episode. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear those. Just connect with us via email, info at redemptionmi.org, or you can send us a message on social media, at RedemptionMI on Facebook and RedemptionChurchMI on Instagram. Until next time, have a great week. Hey there, and welcome to The Post, a Redemption Church podcast. I can't do that. Okay, I gotta do it again. Okay, sorry, sorry. Totally going clap? in at the end. No. <laughs> yep. Yes. Okay, here we go. Hey there, and welcome to The Post, a Redemption. Oh my goodness, I can't talk today. Maybe I shouldn't. Mediocre post? Why do I say it like that? Okay. Hey there, and welcome to The Post, a Redemption Church podcast. I'm your host today, Amy Steed, and apparently it's really funny how I'm doing this. How dare you? Sorry. Do you want me to do it again? I don't care. Uh, hey there, and I can't, I can't. Now you guys got in my head. <laughs>